0: Hey guys, today I've got a topic for you that, as much as I hate to say it, is one that's becoming more and more common in our current healthcare climate, and that's burnout. While there are many factors that contribute to it, burnout is something that affects therapists and other healthcare professionals alike. And honestly, who better to discuss this topic with than Erica Del Pozo, an occupational therapist, the founder of Joy Energy Time, and the host of the Burnout to Lit Up podcast. Erica shares her personal experience and how that ignited her passion for promoting awareness, advocacy, and education about the topic of burnout. Erica truly has gone from burnout to lit up and is on a mission to change the healthcare industry by instilling better working environments and reducing burnout for all healthcare providers. So let's douse the burnout in order to spark joy, reignite our energy, and illuminate our time. If you're interested in occupational therapy, this is the place for you. This show aims to explore our profession by sharing who we are and what we do. Because for us, occupational therapy is more than just a job. Hi, I'm Sarah. Welcome to OT for Life. Welcome to the show today, Erica. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm doing well as (laughs) I'm doing well as well. Uh, Yeah, you know, it's, it's been a good day so far. And I'm so excited to talk to you today. Because not only are you a fellow OT podcaster, and entrepreneur, but just all around like I had such a great chat with you at AOTA this year and I'm just really looking forward to talking about your passion of burnout and kind of your story and just kind of everything that you represent. Thanks so much for having me. When we met at AOTA it was so cool
1: to meet. I have been to AOTA before but this was different for me meeting people online in real life or as I like to say IRL. (laughs) um and it was so great to connect with you and everyone I wish like it was longer or I could have been there more um and thinking back I have like FOMO moments because I my best friend from when we were in OT school she came too so I was spending a lot of time with with her I hadn't seen her in so many years but like AOTA was so much fun and I'm glad I got to meet you and all the other OT people online so it was like such a great experience
0: Oh, I 100% agree. And I remember, I remember you saying like, I'm only here for a day. And I remember like, I, we ran up to each other like we have to talk. <laughs> you can't leave yeah. without talking because I knew that you were only going to be there for a short amount of time. So I'm so glad that we were able to connect and, and chat even though you were there just for that one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I presented that day. It was cool. It was
1: so cool. The day went by in a in a blink. And I was like sightseeing the, the next day. And then I left really early, like the following day. And I was just in and out. But I gained so much. Um, hopefully next time I could go <laughs> the whole time. But I gained so much. And it's different being a student versus going as a as a clinician and then presenting there's so many different, um, ways to experience it. I really like what I benefited most from this time was connecting with so many people. Like that's really what it was for me. That's what I like mainly took away from it. All the great, wonderful connections I've made. Yeah. That was just a lot of fun.
0: (laughs) That was exactly it for me as well. Like usually I have these like great courses that I go to or the posters or something like that. And like this year when I reflected about it, it really was the community and it was meeting the people that I've been interfacing with online and, Meeting up with old friends that I haven't seen since last conference or even years before. And it was, yeah, there was something special about this year that it was all about community and just making the connections with people that you know and new people that you are just meeting within the OT community.
1: Absolutely. It was people. Yeah, exactly what you said. People I knew online hadn't met before people um, I had never heard of that I met and made connections with and people I stayed in. I'm staying in touch with now. And people I ran into I haven't run into in years. So it's it was like a, a wonderful mix.
0: Yeah. And you said it like blew by and you were there for a day. I mean, I was there for the weekend and it was gone. Like it was over before <laughs> I even realized. it. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, now we have to look forward to next year. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Boston. Here we come. Yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. I like, I love going to conferences. I used to hate people and <laughs> used to hate interacting with people. I used to be really, really shy, really anxious. But now I, I thrive off of going to conferences, knowing my limits. I have a ton of Not a ton, but I do have limits because I'm more introverted. Um, and it's really draining for me. But now I know how to go and gain a lot from conferences and also know how to, you know, set boundaries and take care of myself. So it's like it can work even for introverted people. And thank God I I found that. Um, which is like a whole other story of like overcoming anxiety. But um, it's been fun and I've done other OT and non-OT related things this year as well, so it's it's really fun. You find things that you're interested in, that will add to your growth and and go and experience it and meet people and then, you know, recharge your batteries if you need to. And you know, like that's totally okay if you have to like leave early or come later, but just make the most out of it.
0: I'm really glad that you brought that up because. Like when you were talking about like having anxiety and being shy, like it totally resonates with me because I was that person growing up too. I, I don't know if I had a lot of anxiety, but I was really shy, like really shy. And a lot of people thought like I didn't talk just because I was so shy. I I think it's important to kind of highlight these things about ourselves because I think now people meet us and they're like, oh my gosh, you're so chatty. Oh, like you're so cool and you're so outgoing. And you're like, yeah, but I, I still have those moments that I'm shy and I need to kind of reset myself. I need to have time for myself and all these like little strategies that we do to make sure that we are kind of attending to what it is that our body needs now, whether we're at conferences or presenting or doing a podcast, like anything like that. And so Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I just wanted to thank you for kind of bringing that up and and sharing that, that real side of you. Yeah,
1: of course. Like anxiety was something I used to, I was diagnosed with when I was like properly diagnosed when I was 17, but when i got into ot school i'm sure you're you experienced this as well but in ot school there's a, there's a lot of group work and well like i said earlier like people gave me anxiety and being in events and being with like crowds and a- any sort of social component gave me anxiety so when we got when i got to ot school and I'm in a class where the whole class is group work, and my success depends on the teamwork of, of my group. I, I remember one time I just, like, left the class. I couldn't even breathe. I was having, like, my first panic attack that I've had in a while, and, like, I couldn't, like, it was so hard for me. Um, That day, I couldn't, like, find a way to calm myself down. And that's how a lot of the, the OTs, like my OT school experience was, was like, but then thankfully in my program in my cohort, I had some amazing friends and overall at the end of it, like we were all there to support each other. It wasn't like the super competitive atmosphere, thank God. But I did just have a ton of anxiety in school when I had, when it came to like you know, I'm just so independent. I like to, you know, do work myself. And it was just like really tough for me. But uh, thankfully, friends helped me through that I was seeing a therapist at the time I'm on campus, which was a a great resource for me. And I was able to get through it.
0: And I think it's just it's such a transition period being in being in school and being in OT school in general, like, where so many people, they're being pushed. They're being pushed out of their comfort zone. They're being pushed to grow personally, but then also in this kind of new professional realm. And you get bombarded with so many different things throughout OT school. And so not only are you just trying to like deal with group projects and tests and uh, homework and readings and all this kind of stuff, but then there's also all these other things that are kind of bombarding your system at the same time. And it's a lot. It's a lot to handle, especially if you're being kind of forced to do things maybe in ways that you don't typically like to operate. And I, you know I think I think I agree with you. like doing the group projects was also hard for me because I, I like to be kind of independent and do things my own way as well. And so having to work with others was definitely a skill that I had to work on and improve upon. Mm -hmm. While in OT school, while also trying to figure out what this profession is about and who I am professionally and like all, all that other stuff that goes along with it.
1: Mm -hmm. I faced some big life questions in OT school. Like, like you said, like trying to establish who I am not, I've been a student for like 25 years and now I'm expected to just jump into this like clinical professional world role. And I, it was a big learning curve for me. I'm sure like for many people that, you know, if you go straight into grad school, especially like you don't have that working experience. So that's what happened with me. And, It was hard, but I realized that if I give myself some time to adapt and adjust, and I I have a little bit more control whether you know in terms of like okay I know what's ahead of me in my curriculum or I know what to like look out for I know how to prepare then I feel calmer it's the unpredictable things like that just throw me off and I learned the hard way and like when you're working as an OT a lot of unpredictable things can happen in your day and you know once with like when we start talking about burnout I'll talk about like the six values of the workplace in terms of like the six values that can contribute to burnout or that can alleviate burnout um and autonomy is is one of them. That's like another story where I'll get into uh later when we start like to get into the burnout stuff.
0: Yeah, no worries. I like as you were talking, the the phrase expect the unexpected, that just popped into my head. And that's something that I like say to myself every day. And especially like when I have new students with me and I'm, I'm informing them about my occupational therapy practice, it's like, we're going to plan, we're going to have a beautiful plan for the day, for the week, for the month, whatever it is. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. just be ready to expect the unexpected because something will change and a lot of things will change. And it is, it's hard because I'm totally that person. I like to know what I'm getting myself into. I like to have the expectations of what it's going to look like, what it's going to be like, where it is, like all of that. And I think just... As I've gotten older and I practice longer and all of that, like I've really kind of forced myself to just jump in without knowing what's going to happen, and then really try to like stretch myself into that because usually it just it stresses me out beyond belief.
1: Oh no, it's a beautiful skill to be flexible, and and like you need it in healthcare. Like you need to have that flexibility. I feel like if once I allow myself to, I give myself permission to be more flexible, it took away like this because I have this perfectionist, uh, in me. So giving myself like surrendering to being flexible, it actually gave me some sort of control over, okay, I have controlled that I can be flexible and I'm choosing to be flexible. And it actually makes life easier because when a patient doesn't show up or when you, you had this plan, but then the patient came in and you had to totally change your plan. Like, yeah, like if you're not giving yourself that flexibility then you're going to meet everything with resistance and then that's going to drain you and that's going to come you know at a at a high cost because there's going to be other things in the day that are going to challenge you so if you can at least approach life with more more flexibility and knowing what you can be flexible with, you know, like the things that you can't predict with patience and then, you know, that that's going to help you and and give you that greater sense of peace, like inner peace.
0: Completely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's like if you like to micromanage things, like the field of occupational therapy is not going like there might be some little subsets that might work out, but I feel like as a whole, you have to be flexible and you have to just kind of deal with everything that is thrown at you. And yes, you can plan and you can have some expectations, but a lot of times things will just change. And so, yeah, you're totally right. Like flexibility is so key in occupational therapy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: It's like one of our,
0: our fundamentals. They
1: should, we should have like some sort of manifesto. I'm, you know, like what occupational therapy is and like, or like the values or like the the qualities and flexibility should be like one of them should be like the top
0: one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Definitely towards the top. So I know that you have a huge passion in investigating and looking at and preventing, definitely, burnout. That, that's kind of like that's your wheelhouse. And I'm really excited to kind of jump into this conversation today because, unfortunately, I hate that I can say this and I hate that I am saying it. But time and time and time again, I am hearing so many OTs that are burned out. And it's new grads, it's practitioners that have been in the field. I mean, it's been to the point where I have had amazing clinicians that I've worked with before and they come to me and they're like, I'm so burnt out. My professional life is so crazy right now. And it really pains me to hear that. And so, yeah, like I'm so excited to just kind of jump in and discuss burnout and really kind of shed some light on a topic that... I really think needs to be discussed within OT. Yes.
1: Yes. And it's something that is alarming to me. It's something that when I experienced it, you know, it wasn't on on purpose. And this whole passion around it is totally accidental because I, I experienced it like on so many levels. So when I left the job where I experienced it the most and when I transitioned and when I started to research this, this was 2016, 2017. And I felt like, yes, it was gaining some traction, but I feel like now every time I go online, like everyone's talking about it. Whenever I go, especially like in the Facebook groups, it's like left and right, like all around. It's like, I'm burned out. I'm going to leave the profession. I hate OT. Like I've seen that, you know, I've seen stuff and it's like, you know what's so scary and crazy is that we enter this profession with some sort of romanticized view of of what OT is because OT itself is is beautiful and it's so special but it's the real world careers and and jobs that and organizations and like systems that because of just the way the culture that we've this country and you know all over the world too people get burned out all over the world but it's like you know the things that we've established in this country have set it up so that this beautiful profession in it's in theory has been totally taken apart and put together in another way that it's like alien to us and that rate is so high and in terms of like studies on the consequences for other professions it's not really as much like for ot and the studies are are limited, but I do know in one study, 35% of OTs in one study reported high levels of emotional exhaustion. And it was found that, um, 47% of OTs found most days at work to be quiet or extremely stressful. And OT, like occupational therapists were ranked as the seventh most stressed healthcare provider behind other, like behind physicians and nurses. And although this is like one study, it was like, those are pretty high numbers. And they were also experienced high high levels of cynicism. And across the board, you know, across the board, when I read studies on OTs, PTs, pharmacists, like everyone in healthcare, it's like the three same components always are problematic in terms of what burnout is. And it's the high exhaustion, the high cynicism or, or high level of detachment, and um decreased self efficacy. And so burnout has devastating consequences on people personally and professionally, and organizations need to listen and care a lot more because it's impacting how we care for our patients. It's impacting patient satisfaction. It's impacting medical errors. It's impacting a lot of different things that I think organizations have just like turned the other shoulder and like haven't really you know they can replace us with with any warm body if they want to yeah but you know organizations deal with high turnover and it's costing them hundreds and thousands of dollars a year actually millions um when you look at the healthcare system as a whole so it's something that organizations you know we there's a lot of talk about it online but now organizations need to listen and tune in and actually work on fixing the problem
0: yeah i mean i feel like i feel like you said that you thought those numbers were high And I think they are high, but like my brain, I start thinking that I feel like that we as OTs, we tend to be overachievers and we tend to take on a lot. And so I would almost beg to think that like those numbers are probably higher and a lot of people aren't reporting the truth or maybe not like reporting the whole truth with those numbers because I would expect it to be even higher than that, where people are, maybe they don't realize that they are experiencing burnout, mm-hmm. or maybe like like a pre-burnout symptom, where they're like getting there, but they're not quite there yet. And so they're like, oh, but this is just my normal job. This is it. Rather than, oh, this is maybe something a little bit more significant than that.
1: Yeah, I would not I definitely agree. I would argue the numbers are higher. And this was one study, I can't recall, but it was either Canadian, I think, I'm pretty sure it was Canadian or Australian OTs, so it was it wasn't even like representative of the OTs in this country. And I think that I think that OTs and working with so many OTs, being an OT myself, I, you're right. Like we're overachievers, and I think across the board, like we have, and anyone in healthcare, like we 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 enter because we, we have this passion for caring for people, but we also are highly generally speaking, like perfectionistic, or we, um we hold ourselves to a really high standard. I think that's what I'm trying to say, like we hold ourselves to a high standard, and we want to be the best. And so I think that these signs of exhaustion and cynicism can often go unnoticed. In fact, with OTs, because we may either accommodate or we may acclimate to them, or we don't notice that exhaustion has become our new normal, I have seen this in colleagues and have not like expressed this to them, but I've seen it where they're in denial of their own exhaustion because it has become their pace, their normal pace. And, you know, this is looking from the outside. And so I don't really know what's going on in in their minds, but at least in my mind, when I was going through burnout, my exhaustion definitely became normal. And I felt like I was just going through the motions and I just became like detached which is crazy to think about because when i entered ot i remember this huge passion for it and then going in and out of work it just felt like going in and out of work and The over the top things I would do as a student, I found myself just doing like the bare, not the bare minimum, but just, you know, making sure my patients were safe and and making sure they had a good treatment. But I was like, just I had I felt like I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was drowning. I felt like I didn't have the space to be creative. And I lost that. And it's not something that in the moment I, I was consciously aware of. And the thing is that it's so stigmatized to talk about cynicism in this study on physicians. They saw that like exhaustion is so easily uh, recognizable. Like we can talk about exhaustion and almost sometimes it's like a joke, like, or, you know, I'm so tired. It becomes something that becomes so common. But when we talk about cynicism, that's really, and at least in our culture, that's quite taboo to talk about, like, I feel distant from my patients, like, because then that's going to put you at... Like, how's that going to put you? Like, how are coworkers going to think of you if you told them that? And you don't want to admit that. And that's hard to openly admit because that has such a stigma around it. So it's harder for people to talk about. People don't necessarily talk about it at work, especially if they're working with each other. And it becomes normal and it becomes something that you see over time. Like people, they either leave, like I said, like they leave the profession or they acknowledge I'm burned out. I am leaving or they they stay where they're at. They stay in their profession or maybe they they may stay at their job and they become, unfortunately, like one of those therapists. And I think you know what I'm talking about. Like, yep. one of those therapists that do the bare, bare minimum, will give their patient therapy for 30 minutes. Like I've seen it and I knew I can never, ever be that, you know, I don't know what's going on there, but in terms of just looking at it from a burnout perspective, that that's what burnout can do because you don't have energy Like you literally do not have the energy that you once had um, to put into your treatments. And so that energy has been replaced with chronic fatigue and that can spill over into your sleep and how you live your life. So it spills over into every part of your life. And whether someone's aware that they're doing the bare minimum or not, unfortunately, that's what burnout can look like.
0: But I think it's like, it's one of those things that people can easily blame the symptoms of it. Well, oh, yeah. I'm exhausted because I didn't sleep well, or I haven't been sleeping well, or, um, you know, my, my diet's been bad. Cause I just, I haven't had time to meal plan and, I'm stressed because I just I haven't had time to prioritize and manage everything. And I think so often we as therapists can look at the symptoms and just be like, "Okay, I just need to sleep better or I need to eat better or I need to get a handle on my stress" and not realize that there's like this overarching problem of burnout and then what mm-hmm. specifically is causing that. Like maybe you're not sleeping, but it's not because you're not getting good sleep. It's because of all this other stuff that you're being faced with during your day. And so, yeah, I think like, I I like the word that you use detached. And like, as you were talking, I I just kept thinking like going through the motions, you show up to work, you do your job, you do what you need to do. You don't do any more because you physically, mentally, emotionally, you can't do anything else. And then you go home and it's like, rinse and repeat like wake up the next day and you do the exact same thing over again and it it's so unfortunate because i think we as ot's we have such this unique value we have a distinct value we're we're creative we're passionate we have so many positive strengths and positive attributes but because of some of the systemic issues productivity demands like one of my friends was just telling me that he's at productivity and I cringed. And that's, that's his normal. Like that is Mm. his day to day. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. are you kidding? That is insane. And I mean, that's just productivity. Like we're not even looking at anything else and it's, yeah. And I don't know, like, I, I feel like for me, at least what I've heard, like it's getting worse in terms of productivity Mm -hmm. and in in terms of burnout. Are you encountering more people that are going through it? Or like, what, what have you seen kind of in your research? Well, that's interesting.
1: 90%. And I know for in certain states, reimbursement is getting lower. And so there's this problem in terms of also salary where jobs aren't even accounting for inflation. And it's like, that's a bad sign. That's, you know, depends on the state you're in. It depends on your cost of living and, and all those other things. And don't, quote me on this, but I read this somewhere. Generally, this was a general statistic how like student loans has and the cost of tuition has increased by 30%. Yes, don't quote me. But it was like something uh, like that, whereas our salaries over those over this like extended period of time has remained relatively constant and so like i said there's other factors that go into it like what state you're in the cost of living all that but yeah so it's like how do facilities compensate for that so like they increase productivity and they get it to this number where it's it totally sacrifices the quality of care at that point you're no longer providing the quality of care that you go into this profession thinking and you know thinking that that's what's going to that's how your career is going to look you know like quality care and this creating meaningful occupation based interventions i mean if you're at like 90% or i don't think 100% is even i mean that's crazy but like if that's even happening but it's like how are you bringing that quality and it's not your fault you just you're in a system where like you're not you're not able like it's robbing you of that of that quality. And then everything's based on numbers. And so like, there's so many things that can contribute to burnout and the high workload and productivity standards is perhaps one of the biggest ones for us as OTs and workload caseload, our schedules where we don't even have like a moment to go to the bathroom or we have to do paperwork off the clock, which has plagued me for especially like in the settings I've been in where it's like, I've had eight hour days outside of work, just catching up on all the documentation. Like I couldn't do during the day or the evaluations that require like in depth, like narratives and stuff. So it's that, that high workload, and not having proper time outside of work to recover. So if you are logging on to your documentation system at home, or if you are responding to emails, if you're not able to detach from work, and, you know, thanks to our modern day where we're always connected 24-7, some bosses may take advantage of that. They may email you, like in my case, email you at like 10 o'clock at night or email you on the weekend. And, you know, hopefully that's not happening too much, but like email you while you're on vacation, or you may feel um, obligated to check in with your patients while you are on vacation, like things like that, you know, it's like the detachment from both ends, like, you know, in terms of like, maybe you feel responsible or for checking in or your, your facility is giving you all this work to do outside of your designated work hours, and you're not having proper time to recover. So the detachment from work or even mentally, like if you're away from work and work is so stressful that you're not able to detach and it's impacting your sleep, even your weekends. Like in my case, that's, I like dreamt about patience. I dreamt about, like I had nightmares about like, I go in and my schedule is like upside down. Cause like usually it would be, and I had like no autonomy in, in that one job. And it was like, um, uh, mentally, like, how are you? There's other things that studies have showed that in healthcare specifically can lead to burnout. So like low income satisfaction, and some studies have compared levels of experience, like those that have less experience tend to burn out because they hypothesize that they haven't, people with less experience haven't had time to develop effective coping strategies. There are some perhaps internal in, intrinsic personality factors, like if you're just not a good fit for that organization or like a good fit with their values or if they value things that are like unethical or they do things in a fraudulent way, most people don't necessarily abide by that. So that can be quite like a conflict for, for you and going to work becomes just so much more draining because you're doing work that doesn't align with your values. So, and values are individualized, you know, in some places, you know, you may be, they may want you to get away with certain things. And for some people that may be fine. Or for some people, it's like a really big deal. So in taking that into consideration and different things, especially for OT in terms of like roles, like what our roles, like maybe some sort of like role discrepancy or um, glass ceilings in terms of our roles. I know so many OTs can like can relate to this, where there's no room for advancement, or maybe they can become a supervisor in like the next ten years, or they feel like obliged to open their own clinic, and not not because they want to, but that's but because that's like how they can advance. And in big healthcare systems, the the advancement is really only restricted to like nurses and and physicians, and so it's hard for OTs to feel like sometimes they feel like they're in a dead end in terms of like if they, if they really value like status or they value like moving up. And for some people it's rewards can also be like recognition. Like they're not feeling appreciated. They have like, lack, lack of autonomy. They're not being respected or maybe on the other end of that, they're being bullied or harassed by their coworkers or by their boss or, you know, by other people they're working with. So there, this can range quite, quite drastically from just things that, you know, maybe little things here and there that add up, or it could be like big drastic things. But regardless, everything that is causing burnout does require attention because organizations need to look at, you know, if, if this person feels this way, then like maybe other people are feeling this way because usually burnout is a symptom of like groups. And if someone's feeling burned out, then most likely, According to research that other people in that group are affected by it as well, because it is something that can just that energy in a setting can spread and then it, it becomes like the organization's problem, you know, because they've they've developed these conditions for people to work in that are causing this burnout and it's kind of like just a spiral you know at that point where everyone's feeling it and you can get this taste in the air of like everyone's burned out and we're operating at bare minimum and oh, i gave a lot of examples so
0: <laughs> yeah i like i'm i'm kind of curious to hear a little bit more about how you discovered burnout in yourself and did it take you a while to recognize the signs? And what were some of the things that you actually, when you started to piece it together and you were like, oh my gosh, I'm burned out. What were some of the things that you personally went through?
1: Mm. So my my journey like with, with burnout, it took place in two different uh, settings. And the first time I realized it, it was brought to my attention from other people because I had a moment where I had like a Many breakdown in at work because my coworker like I clearly didn't look well I was pale she asked me like are you okay And I was just at that point, like just completely numb. And I started to cry because I became so detached, not just from like everyone, but I became detached from myself. I had zero awareness and I was just rinsing and repeating and getting through and getting by and just trying to like, you know, make myself happy going home and watching Netflix and then just like rinse and repeat the next day. And it was just like, um, for me at that point i was able to temporarily recover because my my workplace at the time they worked with me to create solutions to decrease my workload because I wasn't setting boundaries and I felt like I couldn't set boundaries. I just didn't know how to stand up for myself. I didn't know how to advocate. And I just thought like, this is normal. And I just became right. so accustomed to like that normal of like exhaustion. And so they they worked with me, they helped me to decrease my workload. And I kind of went on until I left that facility because we moved. And then when I started working at a brand new place, this also I have to I have some responsibility from my end in terms of like, how I coped my anxiety, my personality, because I do have like factors on the personal side that I feel like I didn't have the coping skills. And I didn't. And my anxiety was, you know, it, it's always been a constant. So it, it kind of makes this a little bit more tricky. But you know, when I got to that second job, and I experienced burnout, I would say this time on blast because the first time was just kind of like a taste, you know, of all the symptoms, but, and I had, I wasn't quite able to process it at this point. I'm like going through it even like tenfold prior to like, I mean, compared to the previous time. And I'm just getting faced day in, day out with no autonomy, unfairness. Um, My values are not aligned with them. There are so many red flags, fraudulent, work that was being demanded on me and all under this guise of trying to be helpful but at the end of the day you know my license matters my reputation and my integrity matters and I did what I felt like was best for myself and despite advocating despite you know being really scared but having meetings with my bossing I don't feel comfortable doing this and I it still didn't matter because I felt like at the end of the day I wasn't respected my voice didn't matter and I was not exhausted wasn't even the word because my my energy was so drained going in and out of work and then my anxiety was con I was constantly on you know I can never relax I can never detach even on the weekends I was going through just this endless cycle in my mind like oh my god work is so stressful work is so stressful and 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 then on top of that the last component of burnout you know besides detachment and exhaustion, it's like the efficacy. So I'm questioning myself. I'm, I had such low confidence in myself and, you know, in the time, at the time, again, I'm just going through this and I'm just hoping to get by, but I'm not, I'm not, I didn't know that like life doesn't have to be this way, but I knew that I did have to, I did have to leave that job because at the end of the day, like I said, I wasn't heard or respected. So when I left, And when I discovered, you know, I became part time adjunct professor and I got a per diem job and that job was great. And I was there up until I left Florida. I mean, I started to really piece by piece, piece together, like heal from that experience and from that trauma. And I started to really hone in on my personal coping skills. And I began meditating. I worked with a coach. I I read a lot of books. I mean, a lot of books. And that's how I got into podcasting around that 2016, 17. I started to listen to like a ton of podcasts that really helps me to develop myself. And then I became passionate about researching burnout and and then understanding what exactly it is and understanding it's so much more complex than just saying I'm burned out.
0: I want to jump back a little bit because I want to get back to that that initial moment where you broke down and your coworkers were the first ones that kind of brought to your attention what's going on. And I know this is like totally kind of hypothetical, but like what if you didn't have the support from your coworkers at that moment? What do you think would have happened? Would you have just continued like would you have ever been able to see the signs yourself or like kind of kind of go back in time for a second and what do you think might have happened if somebody didn't bring that to your attention? Oh, I th- I think I would have ended
1: up in the hospital because I um I was throwing up a lot and I was throwing up not because of anything eating disorder related, but I was I would be in the middle of treating a patient. I would become uh, anxious and numb at the same time. It's hard to describe, but mm-hmm. because of like just how I was feeling. And all of a sudden I would just like couldn't breathe. And I would have to throw up. <laughs> and this was became something like an unspoken rule between my coworker and I. Like she knew that I would like throw up. And I would tell her, like, or I would just like look at her kind of like, okay, can you wash my patient for a second so I can go to the bathroom? I don't know. Like if, if I didn't have my coworkers to help me, like I, I, I'd be afraid that like I would become so physically ill because I know the personal outcomes of burnout does, it includes gastrointestinal disorders. It includes hypertension. You become more susceptible to um, being sick because your immune system is lower because you're constantly fatigued. And then I'm scared to think of what would have happened because I wasn't in a good, I wasn't in a good place. And, you know, maybe I could have endangered a patient and that's not, that's not safe. And, you know, I'm glad you asked. I never thought about that, but it, it was pretty dire for me at the time.
0: Yeah. And I mean, as you're talking, I feel like it's it's not just these symptoms of burnout that we've been talking about but there's these physiological responses and physiological reactions that happen because of the symptoms and because of the stress and because of everything else that you're kind of going through and I think a lot of times it takes it getting to that point until people realize something's wrong I'm not just overly tired I'm stressed, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going through kind of all these other things. And it's like you almost have to hit that rock bottom before you realize something needs to be done about it. And especially because I think as OTs, we just want to take on as much as we possibly can. And we're all about helping people and doing a good job and, and wanting to please others and do the best work that we can. So then we also almost like add additional stress and additional responsibility onto ourselves when we aren't coping as well as we should be, and so i I really appreciate your honesty in sharing that because i I bet there are some people that are out there that are listening, and they're either close to that or they're going through that exact same thing as we speak,
1: yeah, and I think because in our society we're also we also believe that being busy is a a must, and I know that you know, people talk about it now, like busy badge of honor. Like I've heard that. And I know like it's been, it may have come across to a lot of people, you know, people might know, okay, being busy isn't cool. But like, regardless that it has received recognition, I still believe that we are always busy. And the way we cope and manage with stress in our modern society is Is you know we're constantly plugged, and we have this perception around time. And there's there's a study that, in like people in the U.S. were first world. We there was a a survey done where we feel stressed, and that we feel like we have less time even during our free time. And so it's like not only are we dealing with um, these work circumstances, but also we have to look at how we are taking. Care of ourselves, and I know self care is so like overdone now. But I'm gonna break it down into two ways that we can like approach this, and that's internal recovery and external recovery. And basically, that refers to how you recover inside of work and then outside of work. And finding opportunities that you can find recovery in work can actually help to alleviate the um, the symptoms of exhaustion. Not that it's going to remove burnout if your job is also like cooperating with you and and creating opportunities for you to like get in documentation instead of just like taking it home with you or like you know different things where like or you can have like a proper break in the day where you can like go to a room or, or step outside where you can like be exposed to plants or like or have a quick meditation or even like talk with friend or co-workers or I don't I don't know like there could be other creative things that you know, you can come up with or like that your facility can uh, establish for you. But it's like having times throughout the day that are just for recovery, where you can even just enjoy lunch, like by yourself or with coworkers without doing notes. It's like a fine balance. I know it's like not perfect, but recovery in work and then recovery outside of work. And our weekends become boggled with tasks and chores and everything. Everyone on Instagram is doing something cool and we're not, and we feel pressure and that we want to do something cool. And it's like, you know, I am a big I, a proponent of, you know, taking your own risk, like your organization should take responsibility for like the conditions so that you don't experience burnout, but you should also take responsibility on your end of how you feel and how you approach life. And, I think that's something that a lot of people miss when they talk about burnout. It's like either all self-care or they, they say other things that don't encompass the full capacity of the, the problem and us as humans. Because, you, know, you know, we're OTs, we're holistic, so we look at everything from, like, I keep... Like, if you could see my hands now, I keep drawing the PEOP with my hands. I'm, like, doing circles. <laughs> um, but, it's like, there's there's multiple layers that support us, our um, participation and our desired occupations. And I think rest, proper rest, proper external recovery is important. And even if that means, like, you hire a babysitter or you get, like, something that delivers your groceries, things like that are going to aid you in your external recovery or getting, like, a... Um, um, and cleaning service uh, to come to your house things that will buy like yes that's an investment but what you're doing is that you are buying time for you because time is precious and you're buying time for you to like go to yoga or have a date night or even a date night with yourself like it doesn't matter but finding times in your life where you can truly enjoy life or completely unplug and taking responsibility for your own recovery in work during work hours and out of work hours
0: yeah i'm i'm so glad that you just said that because i've read like time and time again with different studies and just different articles that i kind of pass through on a daily basis but one of the things that i feel like is constantly coming it's coming into my world is the importance of like just appropriate breaks. And I feel like with social media and the, everyone always having a smartphone or a computer, a lot of people, they'll take their quote unquote break at work. And what do they do? They sit and they scroll on their phone or they're checking their email or they're doing something else. And on the surface, it looks like you're taking a break, you're doing what you want to be doing. But then ultimately, especially if you're facing burnout or any of these kind of other symptoms of burnout you're not giving your body exactly what it needs you could be looking at instagram like you said and seeing the highlight reel of what all your friends are doing and here you are like stressed beyond belief and then all of a sudden it negatively impacts you when you're supposed to be taking a break to kind of recharge and get your body ready for the the rest of the day it really is finding that balance of an appropriate recovery and an appropriate break whether it is getting up and walking outside or I mean, maybe it is looking at your phone, but making sure that you are paying attention to what it is that your body needs and almost like nourishing it to make sure that you can continue and not just pass the time for your 15 minute break or 30 minute break and then jump right back on that hamster wheel and keep going.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think the biggest thing here is being mindful versus mindless because we like I'm guilty. Like we all check our social media mindlessly sometimes. Um, And like there's nothing wrong with it. I use it. It's a powerful tool for me. But being mindful about it. And if you're going to have a 15 minute break, maybe you want to, you know, call a family member or like I'm not saying that you can't check it, but like the thing is that we so much default on mindlessly checking social media. So like the lesson here is to do things more mindfully. And if you're going to check social media 80 times a day, why don't you try to check it 40 times a day? Like you can still like, you know, be connected with the world. There was this other study that I vaguely remember, but it did correlate exhaustion with like the increased checking of like your phone. And so I can see why, because it is kind of like, We get little bits of information, sometimes very serious news or sometimes really light things. But then and then we digest this really quickly on social media and then we go back to work and it's like our brains aren't necessarily um, having that moment to be mindful or be like connected with something else. And this goes to self-management, like time management. It's the same thing. But when I present on this, I I teach everyone like to say self-management because like time management. Technically, Like, you're not managing time itself, but you're managing how you use yourself around time. And that empowers you to take more responsibility of, like, how you use your day. Like, is social media running? I, You know, I keep going back to social media because that's what's <laughs> relevant. Right. Is, is that running you? Is that, is that like running you? Is that in charge of you? Or like, are you in charge of your day? Like, are you mindfully checking when you decide to? Or are you mindlessly allowing your day to be consumed with, with checking your phone? And then you're wondering at the end of the day, hmm, I haven't had time to work out or I haven't had time to cook. I mean, like... I can't stand and this is like personal but I can't stand when people say I don't have time and even when I say I don't have time I have to correct myself and say I didn't create the time I didn't prioritize this and I kind of like look back at to why I didn't prioritize this
0: oh yes (laughs) you're totally speaking my language there (laughs) because I'm I'm totally the same way I know in the past like I've used like being busy as like a crutch. Like, look at me, I'm oh, yeah. so busy. I'm I'm so busy. Oh my gosh, I can't. I can't even think about that. Like, somebody asks how are you doing? I'm like, I'm I'm just I'm busy, but you know, I'm good. And mm-hmm. I've really been trying to reframe how I approach that because yes, we're all busy. Like, I'm not the only one that's busy. You're not the only one that's busy. We're all busy here. And I feel like it's being intentional with your time because we all have the exact same amount of time within our day, within our week, within our month, within our year, but it's how we utilize that time. And I mean, I know I've definitely been like, oh, I don't, I, just, I don't have time for that. I can't work out today, I don't have time. But if I really like sat down and looked at what I did that day, I probably could have pulled out 15 minutes, maybe 30 minutes that I could have worked out, but I prioritized to do something else and didn't prioritize the working out or whatever it is that I needed to do. Yeah, I, I I hate when people say I don't have time to do, insert activity here, because Mm -hmm. if you want to do it, you just you have to make the time and you have to make yourself do it if it's important to you, and if it's not important to you or you don't make the time, it's just it's not going to happen.
1: Right, and you know I have like a whole. Library of interventions for you know personal well being, for emotional well being, but it's not going to matter if a you don't make the time for it, and b if it's not something that you can realistically or something that's not meaningful to you, because we all can create time whether we want to or not, and if it's meaningful for us. So it's like, for example, I can tell you to meditate, I can tell you all the benefits of, of meditating and mindfulness and gratitude. But, you know, you have to kind of OT yourself, you know, make it the just right challenge for, for you. And make it so that it's something that you look forward to every day, something that's not a burden. Once when, when something becomes a task or a burden, you're just like a lot less likely to want to engage in it. And so making it rewarding for you. Like I get to meditate today. Like when I, when I tell myself that, because I, I I do have to wake up earlier to like make that a priority. But it's like when I do and I get to do it, I think about how I feel. I think about how the rest of my day is set. Even if it's a bad day, you know, it doesn't matter because the meditation has cleared my, my mind and I can handle certain things a lot better. If I don't meditate, then like, I just feel a lot more frazzled. So it's like knowing what works for you. And someone asked me in one of the courses, she's like, what was the first thing you did that helped you? And I told her, you know, one, I left that job that wasn't supporting me. But then when I started to look inward, I began to meditate. And that's what helped me to gain clarity and awareness with who I am. And again, that's not everyone's answer, but prayer, reflection, journaling, uh, getting involved with something physical or getting involved in your favorite occupation and finding flow, you know, getting, maybe you you couldn't, or you didn't create, um, the space in your life to engage in like your favorite, your hobby, that something you used to enjoy because you were experiencing so much stress and, And, you know, so now this is the time for you to be like, okay, like I enjoy cooking and baking. And this is where I meditate in a, in a, in a sense, like I find my flow here. And so what are the things in your life that can support you in, in terms of like, just your being yourself and healing and and connecting and reflecting?
0: Yeah. I think that just ties right in when I, I made the comment about it ties into reframing, reframing your mindset. And when you just said, I get to meditate, that to me has so much more significance and so much more influence than I have to meditate today, right? It's like I have to meditate is like negative and it's a task, it's a chore, it's something that you have to get done as opposed to I am fortunate enough today that I get to or I can meditate today and there's just this, I don't know, like there's this positivity in mm-hmm. just how the, the words that you used in approaching what it is that you have the opportunity to do. And I do, I really like that you said that. Like, I get to be able to do these things today. It kind of just like retrains your brain to be like, I'm here, I'm present. And these are things that I either need to do or I have to do, but that I also get to do. And there, there is that kind of ounce of positivity with it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one really great intervention that has is evidence based is that you can write down three things at the end of a work shift. So before you leave work, if you can have a little journal, maybe if you want to keep at work, if you feel comfortable or you can like keep it in your bag, write down three things that went well at work or three things that you're grateful for, especially during a bad day, because that's, I feel like that's when we can like really use it. And then, you know, that has been shown to create like a really nice transition from work to out of work. And so it increases your ability to detach in the evening and overall it creates more life, work life satisfaction. So that can, you can start there and gaining perspective and not that that's going to fix any injustice that's going on at work. Um, but that can at least get you from your own personal standpoint to find gratitude for your day. And then it might also give you some insight as to, wow, like I'm grateful for my support, like the, my peers that I work with, but like, it might open things up for you to like, look at other things that, wow, like I'm not, this isn't necessarily working out for, for me. And maybe I can like approach my boss about this or I can like make some sort of change, but I am grateful for all these other things. Or even even if you're trying to find another job, like if you're in the process of like, I need to get out of here, I need to leave, like still do it, you know, because there you could be grateful for like, you had a great lunch or, you know, so, you know, there's always something that we can find, especially in the midst of like a bad day.
0: I think it's really easy to, dwell on the negatives and the negativity, especially when you are burned out, when you're having a rough day. And basically when you kind of feel like your life is spiraling at the moment and it's so easy to be like, Oh my gosh, I got stuck in traffic. My Mm -hmm. client didn't want to do anything. Uh, I had a crappy lunch, like you name it, right? You could just like go through everything and it's like, this is bad. This is bad. This is bad. But when you take a second and just sit there and say, what was good? Because there's good in every day,
1: even mm-hmm. in like the
0: darkest of situations, you can find something that you can reflect positively about. Just by including that positivity within within your workday, of you got to see your coworkers, or you got to see your favorite coworker, or you got to work with your favorite client that day, or the sun was out, or maybe it was raining and you love the rain, like whatever it is. But it's so easy to dwell on the negatives and forget the positives that especially when you're having a hard time, you have to somehow incorporate some sort of positivity within your life to to push yourself to, to keep going and to not just kind of get sucked into this negative spiral. So I know that you were just kind of mentioning that meditation was one of the very first things that you started doing to kind of help combat the burnout and the emotions and everything that you were dealing with. But I'm curious, kind of, what it is that you're doing now? And I know that you have, you're you're not working clinically and you kind of have a a separate role, but what is something that you do now to ensure that you continue to kind of keep wellness at the forefront of your mind? And then also if you had any advice for somebody that might be going through burnout, working within a clinical realm right now.
1: Mm, That's a great question. So in terms of myself, I feel like I've I've come up with just my my routines and my rituals that I wish I could have used that, you know, at the time when I was experiencing burnout, I had nothing I had like the worst coping skills. And the way I coped was avoidance and avoidance and denial. And that was, you know, again, looking at my own taking responsibility for like how I coped that that was something that I just I didn't have like the tools. But now my tools are also like from a cognitive standpoint, like, when I have problems or stressors, like I can approach it from a different mindset. So using um, adaptive coping techniques and task focused coping, where like if, if I have a problem, I focus on the solution and I focus on taking action. And I used to really dwell, especially like with my anxiety, I just used to dwell or I would avoid, or I would just watch Netflix and and that was my way of coping, not to think about the problem or not to deal with it. So I'm like, now I've just changed how I um, approach life. And I've noticed that I am not as emotionally reactive, like how I used to be when I got upset. And I still like, if I have the same problem that I did years ago and I get angry and sad, like initially, like I respect and I honor my feelings and I feel them and then I feel figure out like a solution. So that's like the biggest thing. How I manage my my coping, that's like number 1. And then I think what really helped me with that was the awareness that I gained from meditation and knowing that like I am more than my emotions, I am more than my thoughts and a lot of like work internally with that and for for whoever is listening, I would encourage you to find a professional or some sort of resource that can help you if you if you know that's like a problem or like a challenge for you in terms of like dealing with emotions and um it could be like a a psychotherapist, it could be like a, more of a, a life coach or a spirit. Like I used to work with, um, like a health coach, but she was big into spirituality. And so that just, that's what I needed, but I've also done traditional therapy. I've done kind of like everything. And I I'm totally an advocate for, for, um, seeking that mental health support and seeking that other emotional support that you need. And like, what really keeps me going now are my, you know, exercise has been a constant in my life if I'm not moving my body, like I do not feel good. I like to move my body and it makes me feel emotionally and and immensely just stable. And I feel so much better after I move. And then, um, I love writing and journaling and I have certain scripts and prompts I go off of, but sometimes I'll just go at it and write, you know, things I desire and who I am. And I kind of do a lot of future self journaling. Like I am, this type of person. And this is how I, um, my future self, like, I'm kind of big into that, like just kind of manifesting and creating, like going, my experience has brought this spirituality into my life that I never, I didn't have before. So I'm really grateful. Um, like that I have my spiritual tools. Cause that's what helps me to just cope with like my everyday stressors and helps me feel better and more aligned. Like that's what I do on a daily basis and like making sure that I'm staying connected with people that care about me, my friends, my family, even though I'm so far away from everyone, I make sure like I, I check in, like I text or I FaceTime or I call and you know, the friends that are there for you, you might not, not talk to them every day, but you know, still keep like that social support really close to you. Um, people that are going to lift you up and be, and be there for you. And in terms of like, if you're going through burnout, if you're in a situation where like you're in it right now and this is like the million dollar question like I'm experiencing right now like right now like what do I do and I think the biggest thing that you can you can do is to assess if your workplace is taking care of your needs and I actually have a I have a free 12 question survey that we can link in your show notes if, if that's okay yeah. of like the, the basic individual teamwork and growth needs. And you can look at that very basic, these these questions broken down into different needs. And if, you know, if you're, if one of these or more of these is not being met, then some of your fundamental needs at work aren't being met. And you know, and I know that like, we didn't choose OT just because it's any other job. Like we chose because it's meaningful and we find a lot of purpose with our
0: work. So I will definitely link to that resource in the show notes because I think that for anybody that could be going through it or might think that they're going through burnout, I think that would be a really good resource. But also, if you think that maybe one of your colleagues or maybe one of your classmates or somebody else that you know might be experiencing that, it might be something good to share with your friend or your colleague or something like that. And the other thing that I wanted to chat about, because this is one of my favorite things that I know that you do on your Instagram that every day you share your, I want to call them quote cards. I don't know if that's the, the right name for them, but uh, you always share these very inspirational, sometimes spiritual, but they're always positive and they're always very kind of thought provoking about the day and about yourself and about life in general. And I love seeing it every day because it just, it makes me pause And it kind of like recenters myself and and brings about that awareness piece that you were talking so much about. So I love that you do that. And anybody that follows you on Instagram already knows that. But if they don't follow you, they definitely should so they can see what it is that you're up to with, with these quote cards and everything else that you're up to.
1: Yeah, they're like affirmation cards, quote cards. Yeah, it's it's I like that you brought that up because it's it is like it brings to attention like the how you show up like so like I've been saying throughout this episode like how you show up in life, how you approach things, that's important. But if you're if you're experiencing burnout, I want to be able to I want you to know that sometimes you can't necessarily fix your environment, but I want you to feel empowered to do everything in, in your control and to the best of your ability to advocate for yourself, Because if you're experiencing burnout and you try and like, let's say you meditate and you exercise or, you know, but those things may be able to help you to some degree. But if you're just going in day in and day out into a setting like that doesn't support you and that you don't align with their values or maybe it can take like just one talk with your boss where you can switch your workload around or maybe you want autonomy and you want Fridays off so you could spend it with your kids or maybe you would like to create a certain position in your job because you want to feel that like advancement or maybe you want CEUs to be paid for. There's a million different ways that you can approach things at work that are causing you to experience burnout. So I want you to like play detective with yourself in terms of like looking at the environment and also on that same note taking into consideration how are, are you managing and uh, how are you nurturing yourself so it's kind of like a long-winded answer that I could like probably spend like another I spend uh, you know I do this in two or three hour presentations like online with, with um, different CEU agencies and then like I'm doing a in-person presentation next week on on this so it's like it, it is heavy stuff but you know at the end of the day you have to play detective and figure out and work with your team or your manager like how can what can be done so that we can like thrive at work because we want to thrive in work and out of work and that's what we want to do we we want to thrive we, we just don't we don't want to get by we don't want to you know, just go in and out of work, but we want to really experience that, that thriving.
0: Oh, that's such a good word. I I love that you brought up the word thrive. And I want to give you a little bit of time to kind of talk about what you have going on with joy, energy time, and with the burnout to lit up podcast. And I mean, you have so many resources and so many great things. So maybe you could just share a little bit about what you've been up to recently and if there's anything fun that you have kind of in the works.
1: Yeah. So Joy Energy Time is a media company for healthcare professionals, and we focus on providing resources around holistic wellness, stress management, uh, burnout in healthcare, and advocacy in the workplace. Um, so we're, we're really about personal growth and work well-being and we provide resources through our podcast. So our podcast is the Burnt Out to Lit Up podcast. And then our, our newsletter. So you can find our newsletter. If you just go to joyenergytime.com, you can find everything there, you know, more information about the podcast. And also our Instagram is at joy.energy.time. And we'll have a at burnt out to lit up as, as well. But I really like to hang out um joy energy time instagram um and our instagram i treat it like a store kind of it's like an online store like i just show up i provide valuable content every day um i like to engage with my audience i'm um, i like to build community and really uh, provide valuable content some humor but mostly just like thought provoking and really changing the the script in terms of burnout and bringing a raising awareness around it but in terms of like our business we're really small we're really I consider us to be like a small startup but in the future we are hoping to expand to real life events and right now We started an ambassador program, so it's ambassadors and contributors. Since we are such a young company, and um, it's just my husband and I, and I can't wait to have, like, a team, and I can't wait to, like, host our first annual summit. But, like, for now, I really want to just empower the community to be a part of This movement. So, you can become a contributor and write a piece for us, or you could become an ambassador and host a healthcare hangout for us. And healthcare hangouts is something that it's really low key, really intimate, just like a meetup where you can meet with other people, engage in some sort of holistic wellness activity. Like we've done yoga in the past and we've gone to like juice bars and like just really fun, healthy activities. And that encourages uh, connection and, and making new friends in healthcare and conscious. You know, I'm really about conscious. Just people in healthcare that want to better themselves, that you know are open to like bettering themselves and talking about like how we can better healthcare. But they're really fun, they're low key, and that's kind of like where we're at now. So next year, hope to have a summit. I keep and I I like saying it. The more and more I say it to the world, the more accountable. Like I have to hold myself to actually yeah. like get funding. <laughs> Like get funding and just do it and go big because that's that's like what I really want to do to bring this all into a real life experience for people. So that's, I'm so excited about that.
0: I always say that you have to put it out into the universe in order for it to happen. And so I'm like just reflecting on some of the things that you've mentioned in the conversation about being kind of this future thinker and having this awareness. And I think like just by you saying it, like it's gonna happen. It might not happen exactly what how you think it's gonna happen right now, but some form of it will happen in the future. And the more that you just kind of keep telling yourself that and keep kind of putting it out there, like it, it's gonna happen. And I'm really excited to see everything that you continue to do with with the burnout and and helping healthcare professionals and wellness and everything that you have going on over there. I mean, I I feel like when we were going back to like talking about being busy, like girl, you are, you're busy, (laughs) but I'm really excited to see with everything that you have going on. And I'm so thankful that you were able to come on the show today and take some time out of that busy schedule. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like yeah, I like you said I'm busy and I am and
1: sometimes I feel like I need to be busy with the right things, you know, like what's going to move me forward versus what looks nice. So, I mean, that's a whole other topic so I'm going to leave it there, but thank you. <laughs> thank you for having me and I loved connecting with you. This was so um great. I just felt like I was able to just talk about a lot of things that were on my mind and I hope this conversation was really meaningful for for people listening.
0: Definitely. I I know it was for me and I'm sure there's lots of other people that they're going to resonate with some of the things that we talked about today. But before you go, I have one more question for you. If you could only have one word to describe occupational therapy, what would it be?
1: The first word that came to mind was awesome. So I'm just going to stick with that. (laughs) That's the first thing I thought of. Awesome.
0: I love it. It's great. That is perfect. I think that encapsulates a lot of what we talked about today. And thank you so much for coming on the show today, Erica. I really, really enjoyed our chat and I'm looking forward to what's in store with Joy Energy Time and Burnout to Lit Up Podcasts and everything that you have going on over there.
1: Thank you so much, Sarah. It's been truly a pleasure.
0: Hey, before you go, I just wanted to say thanks for listening to today's episode. If you want to further the discussion, go to our website, otforlife.com, and join our Facebook group. If you like us, here are three easy ways to let us know. One, share a podcast with a friend, colleague, or anyone interested in occupational therapy. Two, leave us a review on iTunes or anywhere this podcast is found. Three, subscribe to us so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. Thanks again. We'll catch you next time, OT for Lifers. Mistakes are totally okay here. Okay, great. That's good to know because
1: <laughs> I, I I make a lot of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, don't worry. As do I. Uh, I'll probably be the first one to be like, I forgot where I was going with this. I, I don't know. I get rambly about what we do and I don't want to do that. So let me right. just clean it up. Because I like I had kind of just jotting, jotted, jotted, jotted. Gosh, I can't even. talk. <laughs> uh, this is how it's going to be.
1: of OTs reported, or it was found that 40, like, what is it? I'm trying to remember my numbers.
0: It was found type thing. I I don't know if that that makes sense, but.
1: Gosh, what's the word? Um, Oh my God. Like, how did I start talking about that?
0: (laughs) Um, Uh, I was just asking, like, have you seen an increase in people that are experiencing burnout? Yeah. Does that help?
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, I just don't know why I started talking about well, whatever I'll just because we were going. talking
0: about productivity and then I think salary and reimbursement
1: oh oh reimbursement okay yeah yeah so that's sometimes I need to connect the dots of like how I got to where yeah, no worries I, I got, got you to, I, I hope I answered your original question no, you
0: because did. I'm okay good oh, what was the word I was going for hold on uh intentional there we go um
1: like like what am I trying to say
0: okay let me start again and now see i lost my train of thought i like i had it hold on Uh, oh yeah
1: yeah we are just like really
0: small i'm gonna gonna cut you off again you have to do it one more time because now it cut out (laughs) oh that's okay that's okay (laughs) i got it yep okay okay uh third time's a charm
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh my god can I start that whole part again, yeah. please? Do your thing. <laughs> this could be a blooper. Okay.